good morning. It is uh, so good to be with you this morning. I, uh, uh, I was just thinking, I think it was around five years ago, I had an opportunity to, to be here uh, with you guys. And uh, how, many, how many people were around like five years ago, four and a half years ago? Okay, it's good. Uh, that's why you're at nine, right? Not, not 11. And, uh, and uh, that's good. And um, um, you guys have really um, been a blessing to our family um, through your prayers. And I count it a privilege to be with you this morning. Ian has uh, been such a great friend for me, uh, uh, meeting him back in seminary days and then going to Chicago together and then planting on the same weekend. And uh, we've been uh, uh, trying to stay together on, on our Bible passages. So we just finished up Acts uh, 12 last week, just like you guys did. And so we've been working together on that uh, for the last uh, five and a half years, I guess now. So, and uh, it's just been such a blessing. So this morning is going to be a little different. Uh, um, we're not going to go through verse by verse through uh, in, in a particular book. Uh, it's going to be more like uh, what we see in the book of Acts with Paul as he shares his testimony and points to the gospel. Um, uh, that's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going to tell you a little bit about our story, uh, what God has taught us over the last four and a half years since we uh, had a, a, a real trial come into our life that continues to this day. Uh, but by God's grace, we're, we're growing and we're learning more about Him each day. But the things that I'm going to talk about this morning uh, really are not um, anything new. Uh, they're not anything that, uh, if you're here, sitting here this morning, like, you know, my, life, my life's doing pretty good. I, uh, I guess I don't need to really check in on this. Uh, I'm not in a trial. Uh, I want to tell you that um, uh, the things that I'm going to talk about this morning, you need to implement into your life today while things are going well. I've entitled this sermon uh, this morning, Living in Reality, uh, because when you get into a trial in your life, you're living, I, I'm convinced of this, you're living more in a reality of the way things really are than when things are going well. When things are going well, I can kind of think, oh, you know, I've got, I'm in control, and, and I've got these plans, and everything's working out according to plan, and when a trial comes into your life, you kind of realize, uh, I'm not in control of anything, and, and uh, my life is very fragile, and uh, you start living in reality, the way things truly are, and you start understanding that while you're not in control, there is one who is in control all the time, in your good times and in your bad, and uh, it's to him that we want to look now before we get into his word. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for this time together this morning. God, we are reminded of the privilege that we have to come before your throne even now. We come into the Holy of Holies because of what Jesus Christ has done on our behalf. God, thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace, for your love that you have shown us. And God, this morning we pray that you would help us to know you more, that you'd help us to love you more because of our time together. Lord, as I share what you have done, Lord, would you bring yourself honor and glory? Lord, would you help your people to know that you love them and care for them and that you are always with them? So God, would you use this time now? It's your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to have the ushers come forward. If um, you don't have a Bible, just go ahead and slip up your hand. 
Uh, we, uh, as we're not going to be going through a particular passage, but we're going to be going through a lot of passages. So if you don't have a Bible, just slip up your hand. They'd be happy to give you a copy. And if you don't have a Bible, just keep that as a gift um, from the church to you. So uh, as I mentioned, in a trial, we become uh, aware of reality. And one of those realities is that we uh, begin to understand what we truly believe about God. Uh, Tozer says this, only after an ordeal of painful self-probing are we likely to discover what we actually believe about God. There's, There's a lot of things that we can say that we believe about God, but when you get into a trial, that's when it's, I really do believe that, or I'm not so sure that I do believe that. I know it's written there, and I know I've said I believe that in the past, but I'm not sure that I actually do. So there's three challenges this morning that I, I have for you, um, and uh, JR is going to uh, put those up. And uh, here's the three. Uh, cry out to Jesus in prayer. Uh, number two, trust the Lord Jesus Christ. And three, embrace the body of Christ. These are the three lessons that I've been taught over and over again for the last four and a half years. And um, um, as we go through this morning, um, this is not my typical outline. I'm not usually quite as scattered in my thoughts. You're going to be like, wait a minute, this is not in order. He went from like two and then to one, and now he's on three again. Like, I'm not really sure what's going on here. And uh, life's kind of messy, and so is the outline, okay? So, okay, so just go with me on this. But those are the three main uh, points that we're going to continually hit again and again. I got um, some sub points under that I want you to learn as we go through this. So um, it was December 2011 when uh, my daughter Hope, uh, nine years old at the time, uh, was scheduled for a tonsillectomy. And uh, so she went in on December 12th, had her tonsillectomy, everything went well. And then on December 13th, you know, a normal kind of recovery. Her throat was sore, uh, but nothing too big until uh, that night, uh, in the middle of the night, she started getting sick, and uh, she threw up, and Heather had got her cleaned up, and it was about 5.30 in the morning by this point, and Heather had had the flu, and I started getting the flu, and it was just like, you know, so we're just like, tomorrow, everything's off the calendar. We're just staying home, and, you know, let's just sleep as long as we can, and so I woke up at nine and not feeling well, and when we woke up, um, Heather could hear Hope breathing, and it sounded like she was just really like congested, almost like a like a coffee percolator, like that kind of sound. And um, so she went down. So I got to, you know, my my wife's a nurse, and so she's like, I got to get her, go get her to cough that up. And so she went down, and when she went down, uh, she couldn't wake up Hope. Uh, her, she was unresponsive, her lips were blue, and so she cried up for me to call 911, so I called 911, and they came, and as they came, they uh, established an airway, and then they took her out to the ambulance, and then my other daughter and I, who was seven at the time, uh, Gabriella, we hopped in the car, and we drove to the children's hospital, and as I was driving, I, I remember, um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I, you can pray for me, because I'm not sure how I'm going to get through this this morning. I remember calling Ian and just saying, Nan, I don't know what's happening, but um, Hope's on the way to the hospital. She, she couldn't wake up this morning, and, um, and she's having problems breathing. Would you just pray? And uh, 
So Ian was you know, so gracious and sent out that to other guys and just let him know what was going on in our life. And so I got to the hospital with uh, Gabby, and uh, by the time we got there and we got to the uh, ER, the uh, um, docs had already got Hope there, but what I found out was, was that on the way, Hope had a heart attack, and her heart stopped for anywhere between 10 and 12 minutes uh, while we were on the on route to the hospital. And so, again, we're just, your head spinning, like, she just had a tonsillectomy. What's going on? Like, what? Like, we had no idea. And so, all through the day, they, they worked on her heart, and they worked on her lungs, just trying to get them going again in, in some kind of normalcy. They had her on an oscillator for her lungs, and, and uh, but it was just, the docs said they really felt like they were fighting a losing battle all through the day. So we had got to the hospital around 9.30 that morning. By about 5 o'clock that night, they said that they believed that the only chance Hope had was to have a surgery where they would do a bypass on her heart and lungs. And so they said it's really risky, and uh, we don't know if she'll live through it, but we think this is her only chance. So we went in, and uh, we kissed Hope goodbye, not knowing whether she would make it through or not. And we prayed for her. Um, she was still unconscious at this point. And, uh, and then we left. And uh, people had started gathering from our church by that time. And, and uh, we, we prayed together. And a couple hours later, they came out and said that the surgery had been successful. But now that they uh, had done the surgery, now they had to fly her to Edmonton to oversee uh, her care. It was the only place that um, has the equipment to oversee this kind of um, equipment that she had. And so it took him an hour and a half just to take her from the bed that she was on onto the stretcher. I mean, that's how many wires and things that they had hooked up to her by this point. And so they got her onto, uh, into an ambulance, and then they took her to a plane, and then they flew her up in uh, some, uh, I think, honestly, everything was such a blur. I think it was my brother and sister-in-law who drove us up at Edmonton at the same time. And so we got up to Edmonton the next morning, around 5.30 in the morning, and we just had a day of waiting, uh, not sure what was going to happen, and it was around 7 o'clock that night when the doc was doing his rounds, and he came in, and he said, yeah, you know, everything's, you know, okay, and my wife, being a nurse, can, she's like, uh, not okay, I mean, what, what really is going on, you know, you can just be honest with us, and he said, you know, I could say she has a 10% chance or 20% chance, but I mean, we just don't know. You, know, you just, you just got to have hope, which is her name, <laughs> you know, so, and um, I, I just remember that just, that news just like hitting me so hard. I, I just, I believe that, you know, we, we got her to the hospital, you know, I mean, it was really scary, but we did the, the hard surgery, like, what do you mean she's not, still might not be okay? And uh, I just remember weeping with Heather. I mean, we had or just, you know, your world's turned upside down. I said to her, God picked the wrong guy. I can't handle this. And uh, I'm so thankful for that memory because that's so true. That's so true. Without his grace, without his strength, there's no way that we would have been able to endure what we've endured for the last four and a half years. But he is faithful. He is faithful, and uh, so we cried out to him in prayer, and uh, going back to our outline and crying out to Jesus in prayer, you know, one of the things that when we cry out to him is, is to cry out in humility, 
to cry out in humility. You know, I, I read Psalms like Psalm 88.1, O oh Lord, O oh God, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Or Psalm 130, um, 130 verse 1, out of the depths I cry to you, O oh Lord. And you read those Psalms and you're like, yeah, you know, he was really praying. But for the first time in my life, I understood what it meant to cry out to God with everything in me to cry out to him and just asking him to be merciful, asking him for the life of our daughter, that he might allow her to spend more time on this earth yet. And so I cried out, and as I cried out, when I talk about crying out in humility, it's that understanding that I have nothing. There is absolutely nothing I can do about this situation, but that he is a great God. And that is, isn't that true? I mean, isn't that the reality of our lives every day? That he is a great God and that we are very small. And he's gracious with us and he allows us to to go through our every day. But at the end of the day, he is over it all and he is the one that we need to to turn to. And so we recognize that he was our only hope. And so we cried out to him. So we, we prayed, we cried. I remember hugging Gabs and then just going back into where Hope was and I, I took my Bible and I remember just coming to her bedside and just opening up the Bible and just saying, Lord, I just need to hear from you. I just need to hear from you. I have no idea what you're doing. I don't know what you want me to, th- to do. I don't know what you want me to think. I just, I just need to hear from you, which leads us again to the reminder that we need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ and as we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to trust his word. We need to trust his word. I mean, when your world is turned upside down and you don't know what the next minute's gonna have, this is the one sure thing that we have on this earth. It's his word. It's his word. It is the rock. It is as Matthew 7, 24 and 25 says, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. God's words never fail. They never fail. And so we, we cried out to him and we, my head spinning, I, I, I opened up my Bible and I don't even, honestly, I have no idea how I even got to where I was. It was like, you know, it wasn't like, okay, you know, all that seminary training, like what, what verse am I supposed to turn to? I, I mean, am I really, I mean, I just, but I opened to Psalm 25. Open to Psalm 25, and as I looked down, I started reading these words. It says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. I say, Yeah, Lord. I sure do. I cry out to you. And then he says this, Oh my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over me. Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. And those words just rung through my very being. I was just like, Lord, that's it. I have no idea what's going to happen. I, I really do have no idea. But this I know for sure, that those who put their trust in you will never be put to shame. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm putting my trust in you. So we went through the night, and uh, by this time, there was literally people praying all over the world for hope, and uh, 
there wasn't many changes through the night, but by the next morning, there were things, things were different. And it's like our heart and lungs were just, they were coming back on their own, and they, were, they had to keep turning things down. And by noon, they're like, I think we sh- she can come off the machine. And so I'm like, okay, praise God. Like, you know, we learned our lesson, you know, we're just going to come out of this now. This is so good, you know. <laughs> I was so naive, but that's kind of what you're thinking, you know. And, and, and by Friday night, uh, she's starting to move some now, and, and by, moving enough that by Saturday they put her arms in restraints, so if she, when she came to, she wouldn't be pulling out stuff, and, and, uh, and so we were so encouraged, you know, the, the Lord was, it was healing her, and, and, and things were going well, and so the, the next plan was for Sunday, uh, they were going to fly her back to Calgary and, and have her, um, the, the medical staff down there continue to oversee her. But on Sunday morning, as she was there, uh, as Heather was staying with her, uh, they just seen this little twitch in her thumb, just this rhythm twitch, which is a sign of a, of a seizure. And uh, so they took a CT scan real quick, and they noticed that there were some stroke areas in Hope's brain as a result of her heart being out for that 10 to 12 minutes. So again, it's like, oh, wow, okay, um, Lord, what are you saying now? And I remember I was already on my way back to Calgary so that I could be there when the, when the airplane got there with hope. And uh, again, just crying out to the Lord. And as we again, we think about trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to trust in his character. We need also to trust in his character. And I remember turning to Lamentations 3 as I prayed and, and sought the Lord. I remember turning there. And, and as I got there, I remember reading, beginning in verse 21, where it says this, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. As I thought about his steadfast love, his love is never changing. Ian this morning read about the fact that that his love is always there. Nothing can separate us from the love of the Lord. And I realized that God loved hope more than I did. As much as I love her, his love is perfect, and he loved her more than I did, and he still loved me in the same way that he had the week previous when before all this had happened. And so I was remember what Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as you go through trials in this life, it, it is so easy to begin to question God. God, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? But I want to encourage you to continue to look to his character, the fact that he is never changing. And if you are doubting his love for you, consider the cross. Why would God send his son to die for me? There's nothing in me that would deserve it. I was shaking my fist at him in rebellion. I hated him. So why would he show his love for me by sending his son. But that's what he did. He came as a servant 
He served, and then he suffered. As he suffered, the wrath of God was poured out on him for my sake. There's nothing in me that deserved that. There was, there's nothing that compelled God to do that other than this, his love and compassion and his grace and his mercy towards us. And so for whatever trial that you may be facing today, I encourage you, look to the cross and be reminded of who he is and the love that he has shown you. I think of what Peter said in John 6, 68 and 69. He says this, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. There is nowhere else to turn than to Him. And it's a good place to turn. So we got, uh, Hope got to the hospital uh, down in Calgary, and as she's there, um, she started having seizure after seizure after seizure, and it just kept getting ramped up more and more so. And, uh, and so they gave her more and more medication to stop the seizures, and uh, it was the next morning that they did an MRI on her brain, and as the doctor came back, she let us know that Hope had had a brain injury, and that 60 to 80 percent of every lobe of her brain had been damaged. Uh, Not the news that we wanted. I remember, uh, I don't know if I could pick this doctor out of a room today, but I, I call her Dr. Doomsday. Um, and uh, she just kept saying it over and over again. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what she was expecting us to do after she told us the news, but finally I just said, you know, we understand. That medically, scientifically, it's not looking good for hope. But we know the one who created her, and he can heal her. And even if he doesn't, we're going to praise him. And so she's like, okay, I guess I don't need to tell you anymore. And, uh, and so began what was to become five months in the hospital with Hope. In January, uh, they started looking at uh, discharging Hope, and, um, and uh, they had hooked us up with the palliative care team. That kind of tells you what their thoughts were for Hope's future. And um, uh, it was uh, about mid-January when Hope started having a thing they called dystonia. Now, if my wife's here, you know, she, you know, she could explain it well. She'll be here second service. I don't know if I'll have her come up and explain it because you probably won't need, I don't understand it. So uh, let me describe it for, for, for you and I. Is, um, do you ever have that where your leg cramps up and you're just like, oh, you know, wake up. Sometimes it's not a great feeling. And, and uh, just that cramping. Well, Hope is having that in her entire body over and over and over again. And uh, it was Hope was the only third kid that they'd seen at the Children's in Calgary uh, to have something like this. And uh, uh, thankfully, um, they had had seen it before. And so they had her on really high medication in the beginning, but there was another doctor who came on and said, this is the only chance she has. She needs this backlift and pump. And uh, backlift is like a muscle relaxant. And a pump is uh, it's like literally they just put this pump inside your abdomen and then they run a cord, uh, a tubing right up to the top of her spine that would drip this r- muscle relaxant in order for her uh, to be able to not have these because it literally can kill you. They'd had a, one of the kids had died of this. But I remember as we go back to just thinking about crying out to Jesus in prayer, we, we need to cry out in faith. 
Sometimes I, I walk through life like this. Is anyone else, can you know what I'm talking about? It's like, God, you got to do this, right? Whatever that thing is. And I just clench onto that thing. And I, and I remember in this season where God just used to open my hand. And I remember praying to God, God, if, if you want to take hope home, it's okay. If it's better for her, then, then it's okay. You can take her. Because she was in so much pain during that time, and the surgery was going to be, again, a big ordeal. And Lord, if it's just better that you take her, then that's okay. It's hard to do that, isn't it? But if we really understand who he is, isn't that the best way to live life? I mean, who am I to tell him the way things should run? Like, seriously. It's absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? If I really stop and think about that. And when I think about who he is, the one who created it all, the one who has saved us, the one who is coming back, the one who is going to make all things right, how can I ever walk through life like this? So whatever it is that you're going like this with today, I want to encourage you just to open your hand and say, Lord, you know best. We're going to trust you. We're going to, we're going to cry out to you in faith, believing that, Lord, you know best. We're going to trust you. And so it reminds me of what Job said um, after <laughs> the Lord rebuked him. You remember that? All right? And um, Job 42, verse 2, Job says this, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I'd heard of you by hearing of the year, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. He's like, Lord, I get it now. You know everything, and so I put my trust in you. May the Lord help us to do that. And sometimes you don't know how to pray, right, when you cry out in faith. I, I remember uh, Johnny Erickson Tata um, reading her book, uh, A Place of Healing. And one thing that this struck me in that book was that after 30 years, she was still praying that God could heal her. You know, God, would you still heal me? You know, she'd been in the wheelchair for 30 years. You know, when, when it's early on, it's like, okay, God, do something great. Do a miracle here. And everyone's believing. But as the months go on, as the years go on, it's kind of easy to say, okay, well, I guess this is it. But, but we're still praying for hope, that God would heal her, that God would still do a miracle in her life. And, and yet we're okay if he doesn't because we're believing that he knows best. He knows better than we do. So, Hope had the, the pump put in. I, I still remember talking to that doctor saying, hey, what would be the signs that maybe Hope wouldn't need the pump anymore? And he said, oh, she's always going to need it. Yeah, 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 we get it. But what would be a sign that maybe she doesn't need it as much? She's always going to need that pump. So just remember that for a minute, okay? And um, so that, that was... Uh, February, um, she recovers from that after they kind of do all these, like this med cocktail to kind of get things um, stabilized so they can start thinking about sending her home. And then her stomach stopped, like literally just stopped working. They did like a little dye test to see like what was happening. Nothing was happening. Like literally nothing was passing through her stomach. And so they're now like, okay, now what? Like what do we, what, you know? And so they talked about doing some all kinds of radical procedures and and, uh, and I said, well, what, what if, 
like Hope starts eating, like what will happen? Well, she's never going to eat. You know, she's, she, you know, she might be able to taste a few things, but she'll never eat. And so we'll, you know, let's, can we just pray about it? And by God's grace, her stomach started starting again the next day. So we didn't have to worry about that anymore, that radical surgery. They put a G-tube in in April, and by the time it was all said and done, it was mid-May that we left the hospital. We, uh, leaving the hospital, uh, Hope could not talk. She could not walk. She could not eat. She was blind. She was incontinent. And we had no idea what she understood at that point. Not what we had hoped as we left the hospital. But even in that, the Lord still brought me back to Lamentations 3 about His mercies being new every morning. And reminded me of the importance of the body of Christ. And I want to encourage you to embrace the body of Christ. What we have in this room is so special. We take it for granted, but we ought not to. And as you embrace the body of Christ, embrace their care. Embrace their care. Obviously, when I say these things, there's also the other side of it. Be the care. But when you're in a trial, embrace the care. Now, I don't know what you're like, but for me, I'm the kind of person that I, does, I could be like down on my face and, you know, like 100-pound weights on my back and, you know, like, do you need some help? No, I'm good. I'm good. I, like, like, what is that? There's a, it starts with a P, I think. What is uh, pride, right? Right? There, there's something in us that's always like, oh, no, I can do it. I'm fine. You know, even in the worst of circumstances, when you clearly need help, there's something in us that still says, no, no, I'm good. Well, we were so down on the ground that saying we're good was just going to be a straight up lie. And um, do you know that in our time in the hospital, that our church and the, the families that of uh, Hope School, she went to, uh, still goes to a Christian school, they brought two meals a day for the entire time we were there. Like five months of bringing two meals a day. I mean, the hospital was like, who are these people, right? Like they, they're lucky if they see someone bring a meal for a day, right? Five months of that and it really impacted them and seeing what, um, the way that people were loving on us. We were able to leave the hospital in a van, a wheelchair van. Now, wheelchair vans are not cheap. In fact, when we got ours, it was $60,000, right? So I just pulled it out of the bank, you know, it's like, <laughs> right? Is that all? You know, and uh, no, right? Didn't, no way near being able to afford something like that. But the families of the Christian school that we went to, they rallied together and they come up with 40,000 of it. And then Loblaw's Charity uh, for Children, they came up with the other 20. And uh, so we had this van given to us as we pulled out. And it has been such a blessing to be able to get hope here and there and everywhere. And then about, I'm trying to remember timeline-wise, it was, it was several months after we got back to Airdrie, there was a, a Christian woman in our town who just said, um, can I talk to you? And uh, so we got together with her, and she's a, she's a homemaker. She's a, she owns uh, one of the companies in our city that makes homes. And she said, uh, what about getting you guys into a wheelchair home? I'm like, okay, well, that'd be great. But, 
And uh, she says, I really feel like God is calling me to, to help you guys. And so why don't you find out from your bank what you guys could afford. And uh, I'm going to go to all the trades and just tell them this heart that I have for this and see what they might be willing to do. And some trades were like, you know, we could do 5%, some 10%, some did 50% off. Some, some said, we'd, we'd just cover the materials if that's okay. We just really want to bless this family. And, um, and so we were able to get into a wheelchair accessible home. Embrace the care of those around you. Don't, don't be prideful and say that you're okay, you can do it on your own. Allow the Lord to minister to you through his people. Allow him to show you that his mercies are new every morning as he cares for you. So we got home, and uh, as I mentioned, and uh, uh, not eating, not talking. And uh, May 24th is Hope, uh, Heather's birthday, and so family was in town. And, um, and Hope started indicating Heather and I were talking about this last night. How did she do that? I don't even know how she was, like, how was she showing us what she could do? I, don't, I have no idea. But, but we could see that she was interested in eating, which is the first time that she had shown any kind of indication for this. And so we just started giving her little bits, and, like, she didn't have an adverse reaction. She, this, this was, like, a positive thing. And so a little bit, little bit, and that just continued to progress right through to the fall where she started eating more and more. And by October, she had her G-tube taken out. It was like, okay, that's pretty cool. And, uh, and at the same time, she started to be able to start making sounds, and her first word was Gabby. <laughs> Gabby. And uh, I wish I had time to talk about Gabs. She's such a neat girl. And uh, she's the kind of girl that... Um, when it came to her sister, before all this happened, if you asked her what she thought, she would say, what did Hope say, right? Like that's, like they're so close, and they're still close today. In fact, the first uh, year and a half, Gabs slept with Hope, and just as a comfort to her. I remember in the early days, Hope was having problems with being sick and stuff, and, and Gabby was like, well, what if she gets sick? And we're like, oh, it'll be fine. You're like, she was not going to get sick. It's totally fine, and guess what happened, <laughs> you know? And, and Gabby was just so great about it, and then, you know, she got cleaned up, and what did she do? She just crawled back into bed with Hope, and it was such a comfort to her. And so she's been such a blessing, um, the way that God is using her. She's 11 going on 18 today, and uh, uh, can't wait to see all that the Lord has for her. So things are, hey, okay, things are getting better. They said the first year is the best year for recovery, and so now we're finally starting to see some signs of that. But then everything just started going downhill again. Late August, Hope this, um, wasn't doing well again. And by September, she would do this thing where she'd just cry out over and over again. The, the few words that she could say and what we could understand was, help me, God, help me. Help me, God, help me. Help Like it's just over and over and over again and just crying. October, she went into this stage where she would just laugh out of the blue. Like just, there's some medical name for it. I don't know. Again, if you can ask my wife if you see her later. Okay. Um, she got whooping cough. November, after she'd had her G-tube out, she stopped eating for like 10 days, like where she just did, and she's just, she was already wasting away. Nove uh, 
in December, um, she's just angry all the time. January, still really angry. Seizures started getting worse at this time. She started having these seizures where she would stop breathing. And uh, again, just a reminder of just how fragile her condition was. When she was angry, she would get so, like, just unre- so unreasonable and just, she, she would literally, like, she'd spit out her med. She didn't want anything to do with it. It's just this anger. And again, we don't have no idea what was going on in her heart and mind at the time. She was on the, like, we, we talk about it now, and she's like, I don't remember any of that. And so it was just a really dark time in our life. And uh, in February, as Hope transitioned from the Gordon Townsend School, which was like a therapy school, to back to her Christian school, their closing assessment of her was that she had a very low level of cognition. This wasn't the plan. This wasn't the way we thought things were supposed to go. And again, as we think about trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to trust his plan. We need to trust his plan, not our plan. I've already alluded to that. But as we had a year of one step forward, two steps back, it was really discouraging. I mean, they had told us that the first year is crucial. The first year is crucial. Any kind of gains that Hope's going to see is going to be in that first year. But again and again, the Lord has taught me the words of Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Again, he is a God to be trusted. You don't have to, you know, sometimes like there's this like this, um, when we think about, you know, Romans 8, 28, you know, it's almost like, we're just supposed to be a big smile on our faces and everything's great and, and, uh, and, and we just kind of keep everything stuffed in. But that's not really the way it ought to be. When we go through life, we can be honest with him and we can wrestle with him. And I'm not sure what you might be wrestling with this morning, but I want to encourage you just to, to cry out to him, to speak to him. But as you do, recognize that you can trust him. See him for who he is. Trust in his plan, not your own plan. It's the hardest thing maybe we have to do in all this, this life that the Lord has given us is to trust. But I want to encourage you that we have a God who is to be trusted and who can be trusted. Again, I think about in this, embracing the body of Christ and embracing their correction. When we're if you've, been, if you've grown up in the church, it's not like you're necessarily walking this way and, and now somebody's helping you to walk this way, but it's really easy, isn't it, to kind of start getting off path? And, and if it's not for the brothers and sisters in Christ who come along and gently correct us, we would wind up way off somewhere where we ought not to be. And as I think about our time that we've had over the last four and a half years, God has been so gracious to continually bring people into our lives who were, were just helped us to, to stay on the path, keep looking to the Lord, keep trusting in Him in such a gracious way. Not, not this, Romans 8, 28, where's your faith? Come on, you know, like, what, what's your problem? Why are you crying? Isn't all things work together for good, right? If you've ever been through a trial, uh, that's not necessarily what you want to hear, right? If someone comes alongside you, and hugs you, 
and weeps with you and says, let's just trust Romans 8, 28. I know this is hard. God knows this is hard, but let's trust him together. He's using this for his glory, and he's going to use it for your good. Let's just trust him. You see the difference? Any of you guys know Pastor Rick? Okay, no one. Okay. Um, okay a few of you maybe. Uh, Pastor Rick Donald, um, he's in Chicago, um, and uh, he had been our elder uh, for our church. And I remember he and his wife, Lynn, coming in the early days, and just, just their love and compassion and pointing us to the truth over and over again was such a blessing to us. As I went through the time of, of hope crying out, I called Garrett Higby in Chicago, one of the uh, main counselors there, and I said, Look, what's going on here? And just the truth that he reminded me of was so helpful for my life. And I think about my wife, how the Lord has used her again and again and again to keep me on the place that I ought to be. I think back in those early days when, you know, I'd have a day where I'm just like on the floor, devastated, and she was such a strength. And then God would allow the reverse to happen the next day. And it was just, that's what God does. When, the, when there's some of us who are down and hurting, God allows others who are doing well to come around us and help us and to correct us. To tell the truth is always the best thing. Proverbs 27, 6, faithful over the wounds of a friend. And so, graciously, we need people to come around us and to help us. Well, in March 2013, hopes, uh, we started to see gains again in Hope's speech. Uh, by June, Hope became continent. Cognitively, she was still struggling. She'd try to count to 10. She'd kind of get to 6 and, and, like, and know 7 was next, but then she'd say 8, and then she'd like, oh, I messed up again, and then she'd try again. So that summer, she's so funny, she, uh, she just started a, a running tally, and she counted up to 25,000 by the end of the summer. She just like, she kept working on it, working on it, working on it. And when she went back to school in September we started seeing, like, wait a minute, like, hope is in a different spot now cognitively. We noticed that when she was able to spell aerodynamics, <laughs> right? Like, I don't know about you, but I, I don't know that I can, okay? And, and, uh, and so we're like, okay, oh, this is really exciting. And so that was September of 2013. And um, do you remember me telling you about that pump? It's like, Back, back in uh, September 20, 2012, we, we said, can we just turn that thing down just a little bit just to see what impact that would have on Hope's body? They really were resistant to it, but again, my wife being a nurse and everything that we were seeing, it was just like, I just think it's too much. It's just too much. And so we just turned it down a little bit and we seen like these gains in her, in her abilities and, and, and then it was like go away again and we think like, things would start to digress. And so we're like, can we turn it down a little bit more, and, and it really became this battle, like literally this battle with the doctors, like, no, we're not doing it anymore. If anything, it should be turned up. Like, well, this is the evidence, and so can we just try again? And so guess what? It got to the point where she didn't need any, and, uh, and so <laughs> I, I remember, remember that surgeon who said it would never come out? I just couldn't wait for that appointment. I was like, this is going to be so good, you know? <laughs> So, you know, she's getting the pump out, and uh, it's like, well, sometimes these things happen. 
<laughs> you're like, really? Like, let's just give glory to God, right? Like, he did something and none of us expected it, but praise him. And so Hope is able to get her uh, pump out. And uh, that was April of 2014. And, uh, and then we had another setback. She had an infection a, few, a couple weeks later, a really serious infection. Um, and we got, the infection got into her bloodstream. And again, we're just reality. Like, it's just like this up, down, up, down, like this. But God got her through that. And uh, if I can go back to our outline again, embrace the body of Christ. Embrace the compassion of the body of Christ. So Hope also had um, what they called scoliosis by this point, and her spine was just getting worse and worse. And um, I remember uh, we looked in all kinds of things, and, and uh, there's been so many pe- people faithful like, to say, hey, have you, have you heard about this? Have you tried that? I mean, I've heard about this study in Egypt and, you know, whatever, right? Like, it's all kinds of stuff. And, and so we had looked into all kinds of options as to what maybe we could do to help hopes back out that would be a non-surgical thing. And, and so we had prayed about it, and we um, got to this point where we uh, had decided that maybe this, there was like a, I don't know, like a corset kind of a thing, like where they would help her stay kind of stabilized, that maybe that would be the best thing. And so we went, and um, uh, as we got to the doctor, um, we had our plan. So we're going to tell him, you know, no surgery. This is going to be our plan. We appreciate your, your advice, but we, we really feel like we're, we got a different plan. And so we went, got um, the x-rays done first, and then we went into the doctor's office. And uh, as we looked at the x-rays, we'd seen how quickly Hope's scoliosis had progressed to the point where it's starting to crush her lungs. And for 45 minutes, I argued with the doctor about this surgery. I mean, I was just, I was like, no, this isn't going to happen. Like, there's got to be a different way. And because the surgery we're talking about, it's a full fusion of her back, top to bottom, and uh, some rods and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. But it was just, it was so hard. I, it was almost like I was wrestling with God during that whole doctor's appointment and, and just saying, well, no, but, you know, what about this? And, and you said this, and, and, and don't we have more time? And, and he just made it really, he was real gracious looking back on it. It's like, no, there's no more time. If we don't do the surgery soon, there, we may not ever get her back to any kind of correction that would be helpful for her. And so I just, honestly, I just started crying. <laughs> It's like, how can we trust you guys? Like, you, you, how many times have you said, this will never happen, and then things happen? And um, I don't think this guy's a believer. But he said, can I, at the end of our time, he said, can I just read you uh, a prayer that my dad used to read to me when I was a kid? I, don't, I, I just, when we're talking about this, it just reminded me of it. And uh, he said, this is how it goes. God, give me grace to accept with serenity the things that cannot be changed. Courage to change the things which should be changed and the wisdom to distinguish the, other, the one from the other. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will. It's like, okay. I don't, God just used a pagan doctor to talk to me, <laughs> right? And, and I was like, okay, Lord, I submit to your will again. 
was so hard. Well, as I talk about embracing the compassion of the body of Christ, we, we had um, lined up a, a, a supper that night with a, a friend of mine. Um, he had been in ministry before, and um, his wife had been so gracious to Heather through this time. And, but we'd never got our families together. And it was such a long day at the doctor's, and we had just had this news. The, the only thing I wanted to do is go home and just cry and pout and stomp my feet. And, um, but the Lord allowed us, in His grace, to go to that place. It was the last thing I wanted to do. And it was so good. Our girls had such a fun time with their kids, and, and they were so gracious and so compassionate to us as we just kind of poured out our hearts about our day. And that's what we need. We need one another in our trials. Don't go and get by yourself. Go and get with the body of Christ when you go through these trials. Allow them to minister to you. Allow God to minister to you through them. It was such a, was such a uh, great time together, and God really used it to prepare us for what was to come next. So after a delay um, of waiting all day, to get surgery and then getting bumped to another time. We finally uh, had Hope's surgery on September 2nd, 2014. And, uh, and Hope believed that God could heal her right up into the last minute. She's like, well, maybe he'll do it like while I'm on the operating table. And so she was so drugged up when she first woke up, but Heather could tell she was asking, did I have it? Did I have the surgery? And uh, uh, Heather said, yeah. And uh, she said, do you, still, do you still love Jesus? She just nodded her head, yes. Do you trust him? Yeah. So that was September 2014. The, 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 it took about a year, uh, just a lot of pain for Hope uh, with that back surgery. And uh, she wants to move to Texas now because uh, um, it's warm there. And uh, when it's cold, it's hard on her back. So she's got, she's going to go to Texas. She's going to have a ranch. And so I'm not sure how this is all going to happen, but um, I told her she's maybe start writing a book or something because uh, she's going to need the money. Um, <laughs> so our last year has just been uh, a lot of uh, issues with seizures. I mean, it seems like every year has had a theme, and this year would be seizures. We hope it's just in the hospital a month ago, uh, hooked up to EEGs, just trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, with her and uh, why she's having an increase in seizures and an increase in the intensity of her seizures. But God has brought her so far, so far. Um, this year, grade eight, um, math, she got behind in math. And when you get behind in math and a subject that builds, it's really hard to get caught up. And so we're like, how are we going to do this? And so she'd been kind of working on grade four or five math. And so this year, like, what do we do? And so somebody, I don't even remember who had came up with the idea. It's like, well, let's put her in grade eight math and just see what happens. Like, she's nailing it. Like, she's getting 90s. <laughs> I joke with her, she's actually a better student now than before <laughs> her brain injury. Like, she really is. God has been so gracious. Cognitively, she is just doing so well. I wonder if I might be able to just share a poem with you uh, that she wrote just a couple months ago. She loves writing. She loves reading. She's still blind, still can't walk, still in a wheelchair, but God has done so much in her life already. So the, the poem, uh, she had to use imagery and personification in, in her poem, and it's an acrostic poem, and she's called it, she's called it Hope, but it's an acrostic of wheelchair. 
So this is what she wrote, again, about her wheelchair. Want to go for a stroll, Hope? Says my wheelchair to me. Happily, Hope replies, what should I do without you? Everywhere I go, you keep me company, my friend. Eyeballs stare as we go past, maybe wondering how we met. Living with you can be hard at times, because I'd rather use my feet, but I like that you carry me through. Comfortable sitting on your cushy seat carries me to a fluffy cloud of heavenly bliss, <laughs> helping me every day to get from here to there, able to get through my day because you bear my weight. I love you, my wheelchair friend, even though you bring me pain and grief. Riding along, you will be part of the story God is writing for me. As we cry out to him in prayer, the last thing I want to say as, I, as we close is, is to cry out in hope. Cry out in hope. One of the last things that Hope had said to us before she went in for a tonsillectomy, um, Heather was just really stressed out about something, and, and, Heather, and Hope said to Heather, if Jesus comes back tomorrow, what does it matter? And it was such a great reminder for us as we were in those early days. I often think about the apostles and the men and women we've been reading about in the book of Acts. How do they do that? How do you, how do you get beaten and stoned and then get up and go back and tell people about Christ again the next day? How do you do that again and again and again? It's when you believe that Jesus Christ is your only hope. It's when you believe that he could return at any moment, that today could be my last day. You know, if, if today's the last day, you can get through just about anything, couldn't you? And that's the way that we ought to live. In hope, keeping our eyes on the cross, remembering that today could be our last day. As I talk about living in reality, no one here is guaranteed tomorrow. None of us know that. If we'll be here or not here. If the Lord would return, even now he could return. We don't know these things, but we do know this, that he is faithful, and that if we cry out to him and hope, he will lead us and guide us. He's so faithful. When I feel alone, he's reminded me that he's always there and he understands. When I just want life to be easy, he reminds me that I didn't write that anywhere in this book, that life would be easy. Romans 8.18, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. One day this is all going to be gone. I don't know. Maybe God will allow hope to walk someday. Maybe he'll allow her to see yet someday. But I do know this. She, she will be perfectly healed someday. And I'm so thankful for her heart for God today. She's talking about getting baptized maybe this summer. She just got, um, this um, Friday and Saturday, just in this last couple of days, she got to meet Johnny Erickson Tata. Um, that was really cool. But what I love to see with her is that she just gets it. And, um, and as Johnny talked about the things that she was about, she just, you know, she was like, that was so good, Dad. She's such a great speaker. She's such a nice lady. Uh, I just love her so much. And, um, 
So I don't know what the future holds, but I'm so thankful that we know the one who does hold the future. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you're like really confused by the outline, by probably by now, right? He's like, was there an outline? I don't know. Let me just remind you of these things. Trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust his word, trust his character, and trust his plan. Embrace the body of Christ. Stop, stop being on, if you're in a kind of like a floater on the outside, stop doing that. Embrace the body of Christ that he's given you. Embrace their care, embrace their compassion, embrace their, their correction, and be the care, be the correction, be the compassion. And then cry out to him in prayer. Cry out to Jesus in prayer. Cry out in humility. Cry out in faith. Cry out in hope. Let's pray. Lord God, we're so thankful for your faithfulness to us. You're such a good and faithful God. God, I, I'm so thankful that you know every heart in this room this morning. You know the struggles that they have. You know their, where their heart is at with you right now. And God, I pray that you would just meet them this morning. If there are some who are, who are doubting you this morning, God, would you just remind them of your love, of your care for them? Would you remind them that you're always with them and that, Lord, you are working things out for their good and for your glory? Help them to trust you. As they look to the cross, may they be reminded again and again of your perfect love for us. Lord, we love you. And we, uh, we want to be used of you. Use us to be the, your hands and feet to those who are hurting. And it will be to your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.